Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, we're going to be talking about universal design, who the participants are, what the, what the advantages of it are, and why, it's, why it matters. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 83, Universal Design and Stakeholders. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box. This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell. As always, I'm, I'm joined by Ernie Bailey. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Good. Uh, I'm also joined by Rob Raspberry. How are you, sir? Greetings. Doing great. Good to hear and as always, Mr. Scott Tyner, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be here again. All right. So, um, first and foremost, it's uh, as I say, we've as I say, if you've uh, watched the coverage and anything, um, there was the big uh, AV trade show uh, this past uh, just a little while ago, which was uh, ISE or Integrated Systems Europe, uh, which is kind of like the the new you know big stage that a lot of uh, companies tend to put their stuff out at. It used to be if you were in the U.S., it would be Infocom, and if you were on the residential side, it was Cedia. Um, but I think for the most part, everyone tends to you know do everything at ISE now because just everyone comes in together. And on top of that, it was the last time that they're going to hold it in Amsterdam. Uh, in the future, I believe it's going to be in uh, Barcelona. Anyways. Um, one of the things that came out of that, and it comes to us from AV Network, uh, the article covers how Crestron and Logitech uh, are talking about their new partnership. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this and everything, uh, obviously Logitech uh, tends to do a lot of USB plug-and-play peripherals. They also have gotten into the uh, UC, VC uh, space and everything. And Crestron's also been starting to get into the unified communications uh, realm. Now, does this mean that one is, you know, taking out the other or anything like that? By all means, no. Um, if you actually read into it, and you know, they interviewed both Randy Klein as well as um, one of the uh, the uh, one of the folks from Logitech and everything. And um, actually, sorry, I take it back. It was Scott Wharton who's the uh, VP of Video Collaboration. But anyway. Um, if you go through it and everything, they're actually talking about how they're going to be folding stuff into Crestron's uh, XIO cloud system, which, you know, if you actually look at it and everything, it's uh, where a lot of stuff's tending to go, which is, you know, kind of more cloud, uh, you know, cloud-based uh, dashboard systems and things like that. So I can understand why they're going with this. Um, I am going to ask you guys, uh, from at least a collaboration slash conferencing uh, point of view and early, as I say, Ernie, I'm sure you have, uh, have your own uh, um, items with this and everything. For us, I kind of tend to look at it and I think it's a good thing. Um, we try to stay kind of, it's funny, we are just getting into it in that we've got WebEx um, on our campus, but at the same time, if we have more of a say about things, we try to be more hardware, uh, we try to be software agnostic and be, you know, kind of hardware driven. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, I want to do a Zoom meeting. Okay, here you go. I want to do a Microsoft Teams meeting. Here you go. Uh, you know, I want to do a WebEx session. All right, here you go. Like it's, for us, I tend to look at it as the days of hardware codecs have kind of 
are, are starting to, to, to wind down a bit and we're looking more at, you know, soft bridges and software, software codecs and things like that. But, you know, I do want to hear your end on this one, Ernie, mostly because you guys tend to do a lot of telemedicine and uh, teleconferencing, right? Right. And when we get into the telemedicine side, we're still seeing a lot of the uh, hardware codecs. Mm -hmm. So we're doing still using those for major classes. We have two campuses mm -hmm. uh, about three hours apart and, you know, shared faculty and uh, students may start on one campus and finish on, on the other uh, or have, you know, some sort of internship or something on the, on one of the other campuses. So we do a lot of those through hardware conferencing just because that's what the faculty is comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're building a new classroom uh, here on our Little Rock campus that will be connected to uh, our Northwest campus on a regular basis. We looked at doing it with totally soft uh, conferencing tools, mm -hmm. but because of the faculty that we're working with, we decided it's best that, you know, at least their first iteration of it needs to be a hardware-based codec. Mm -hmm. But uh, for a lot of our rooms, yes, we're doing exactly what you said. We're setting them up where they're software agnostic. You know, uh, basically, if we can get a microphone and a camera uh, into a computer, mm -hmm. we can download any codec they want, whether it's Zoom, Teams, Skype for Business, mm -hmm. um, whatever, uh, WebEx. We do, we do a lot of all of those. Um, now, the thing I was going to ask, for those rooms, do you guys tend to put in, like for us, um, if we're doing it more of a BYOD setup, um, we tend to have like the Vadio like uh, AV bridge. Um, you know, you, we do we do a lot with the AV bridge, mm -hmm. uh, and they've got several different iterations of the AV bridge now, depending on what we're wanting to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, we generally need to bring in a higher end camera. You know, a lot of these uh, soft codec systems. Are really just looking for a small webcam. Well, yeah. uh, at times we're, we're needing a little bit uh, higher res because we are getting in some of the medical teaching. We may need to use a document camera or something like that. Yep. Uh, so we're, we're going with more high-end camera usually than what we're seeing. You know, Logitech's got some newer stuff coming out that may be close to what we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, uh, as I say, Robert, Scott, you guys, uh, have you guys gotten into more of the, well, Rob, I know for you, it's, it's kind of more of a specialized field, but, you know, I still want to, as I say, it's, it's still good to hear your, uh, hey, listen, you're, as I say, you tend to deal more on the broadcast end of things, so I do want to hear your side of it. So, I, I mean, it just sort of makes sort of sense for Crestron and Logitech to sort of partner together because then you're dealing with a company that basically deals with the peripherals partnering with a company that deals with the control systems and if they figure out some type of seamless integration, it just makes it easier to package together. You've got two well-known companies together, so it makes sense. And you're absolutely right, you know, Ernie. I mean, it's a matter like you make the system as, as software agnostic as you can. So whatever, you know, you're bringing in, whether it's Zoom WebEx or whatever communications platform you're using, you can plug in plug and play and you're, and you're good to go. So I think that's sort of across, across the board, to be honest with you, that's, you want to make it as easy as possible for right. uh, your users to interface. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that um, we do have like here on campus, we do have some folks who are a little bit more savvy about stuff and there's other folks who are going, 
I, I, you know, I just need one button. I just need this to work, you know, this and that. It, and it, once again, it all depends on the level of, as we've probably put it in the podcast before, uh, the level of seasoning or how seasoned the, uh, the, the faculty are. You know, some are, you know, oh, yeah, oh, I can do this all off an iPad. Oh, great. Some folks, um, we still have some folks who still bring acetate sheets and uh, plunk it up on the document camera. Yes, I was also going to mention, I mean, in a way, like Extron partnered with Panopto. Yep. And, yep. and so you're going to see, I think, more of these things with these control systems and these different platforms partnering together to make integration easier. And, you know, so if somebody is a Panopto and you're, you know, an Extron shop, then, oh, okay, perfect, no problem. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm kind of, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see how it plays out is to see whether or not um, either Blackboard, which uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's our, you know, that's our learning, that's our uh, uh, learning management system. And uh, I highly doubt we're ever going to jump off of that one. But, you know, if you look at other places, like, you know, down the road from me, um, Rutgers has, oh God, they have five, <laughs> which, you know, in its own right, that's, that's one of those, all right, somebody's got to give, but, um, yeah, at some point I'd, I'd like to see it where, you know, they start making things where it's like, oh yeah, no, here, you can actually record this and then send it directly to, you know, you can actually link it up and send it to, uh, either like a network storage, storage drive or something like that. But once again, that's, uh, me dabbling in, in things that I'm sure later on will never come back to bite me. Not at all. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that aside, um, like I said, from a partnership point of view, I I think it's uh, I think it's good. The only thing that I'm slightly hes hesitant on is that if you read on this, um, do you guys are you guys familiar with uh, with Crestron's uh, XAO cloud? A little bit. I'm I'm familiar with it. I've talked to them about it. It mm -hmm. it's not in a good educational price point at this point. Yeah. That for, for us, we originally they pitched it to us and we, we looked and we're like, oh, th th all right, this is starting to make sense, mostly because we're a, primarily a Crestron house. But the thing that our CIO took a look at is that they're, well, you know, most companies are switching over to a, you know, not as a service, but a subscription service. Uh, you know, and in this case, uh, the XIO cloud is, uh, you know, subscriber-based. And... Um, yeah, I won't lie. Our CIO went, okay, can we get like an enterprise, just one price and that's it? And they go, well, you can have it on a private cloud. And I'm like, and he's like, he's like, which one? And I think it was like an older version of Fusion. Um, whereas I believe XIO Cloud is, I want to say that's on either Microsoft uh, Azure or it's on um, Amazon Web Services, but don't quote me on either one. I know, as, as I say, I know they tend to do a lot on, on Amazon, but that's besides the point. Um, so it's one of those things where like, it's cool, but at the same time, once again, we've had this discussion, there are manufacturers and there are things that they do that are, that are awesome and wonderful. And there are some things that you look and you go, gotta go back in the oven. <laughs> so that's, that's my uh, little soapbox on that one. Anyway, uh, after that, uh, our next, uh, article comes to us actually from Scott, uh, and it is off of, uh, rave pub, rave pubs and everything. And it is entitled Universal Design in Higher Ed Classrooms. What are we waiting for? And uh, as I say, Scott, as always, I, as I say, I'm more than happy to let you explain it and everything because uh, I read the article and I really like it from, it, it comes from a 
different approach that I think kind of simplifies things, but it's not, it's, well, I'll just let you get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, what I tried to do when I was writing that, when I was thinking about it, um, is really approach it from a very simple view. Because I, th I think, at least in my experience, in what we do here, where I am, is we think a lot about the laws, and we think about a lot about making sure we, we uh, oblige by those laws. But then we don't think about the rest of the environment and the rest of the classroom and how, it, how everybody who walks into that room, whether you're a presenter, a student, a guest, how that experience works for you. Mm -hmm. And is it a natural experience or is it um, something you have to work at and something you have to go up and tell the presenter, oh, by the way, I have um, this issue that I'm, I'm hoping that you can address with me whether it's a, a vision issue or a hearing issue, uh, um, a sensory issue, who knows, who knows what it is. And the other piece that I, I really wanted to think about when I wrote this or get across is um, I know, again, in, in our case, we, we don't, we sometimes don't make these changes because we're actually afraid of doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that there's a certain piece of just saying, just start doing something, just start making a change. And really, when you're talking about universal design outside of the ADA laws, you can't really do the wrong thing. Involve a lot of people, ask them how, how the room works, mm -hmm. ask them what makes sense, um, and, and just get other people involved, just regular uh, users, uh, frequent users, and um, infrequent users of the space. Yeah, it's... Um... That was one of those things I was kind of curious about, was the fact that, and it does make sense, one of the things we did have to... and from a design perspective, it's, it did simplify things, but it was just one of those like, huh, never saw that coming was, uh, we actually had some folks who were colorblind and they said, can you guys make it to where it's just, you know, simple, like, you know, like, like, uh, um, you know, a little bit more simplified and everything. And so our programmer, uh, Damon actually went and just, you know, he would throw things up in grayscale actually go through, check the highlights and this and that just to see what would, you know, what would work and what wouldn't and everything. And, you know, it actually kind of cleaned up some stuff. It, you know, there were certain things where it's like, Oh, well we can do, you know, this is like a, a fading blue or maybe we can do an orange. And I just, you know, we kind of looked at everything and we're like, okay, what's the simplest way to get this to, you know, to, you know, how do we, how do we give them the feedback and they don't have to, you know, think of, you know, Oh, well this button's red and this one's green. And it's like, yeah, we also need to put in yes, no, <laughs> cancel, you know, that kind of thing. I, yeah, and, there's things like that. I mean, what are, just all these little things. I mean, colorblind is something that we would just never think of normally, right? Unless you're colorblind or live with somebody who has colorblindness, you just don't think about it. Uh, but it, it makes a big difference. Uh, the, the words that you use, I, as I think about this more and more, I, I wrote about lighting in here. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've watched in some classrooms. Mm -hmm both at my institution and others where I, there is just a panel of light switches and you're just like, what the heck? <laughs> uh, and it, and some of them aren't labeled. And so that doesn't make any sense for somebody to walk in and feel comfortable little things. And I, I think I, I wrote in here, um, a professor who, who is short. I mean, you know, oh, I, yeah. I understand this a little bit, right? You mm -hmm. walk into a room and you can't pull this, the stupid screen down. And you have to ask a student every other day to get up and pull the screen down for you. I mean, yeah. That's just, it's not a comfortable feeling, right? So yeah, there, there, there's certain things. Okay. 
like for example, this is one of those ones we had a we've actually had a, a back and forth and Robin early Ernie, you're more than welcome to jump in on this. Is um we're we had a new building and we had a talk with the architect and everything. And the big thing was, oh, we have to get at least twenty-four or thirty-six students in the classrooms. You know, we we really need to get them in there. Okay, fine, whatever. The architect, uh, the last time he had dealt with any of us, he had dealt with like a conference room uh, as far as the AV and everything. So he's like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, spec out a credenza and, you know, I'll put it, in, I'll put it up against the wall. And we, we kind of like had to start talking with the folks and we're like, you guys are going to have to either redesign the room layout or you're going to have to like give up a desk or so. And they're like, oh, but we need class size of this size. And I went, yes. And our faculty all hate the idea of having their backs to the students while they're, you know, looking up something on the, on the computer. I said, it's not that they think they're going to get like a spitball in the back of the head or anything. It's almost more of a, I'm not going to say it's a, it's a, it's not a confidence thing so much as it's a, listen, I want to be able to make eye contact with my students. You know, you, you know, this is, you know, this is at times like an hour or an hour and a half that they only have with them and everything. And they don't want to make them feel like, you know, oh, here, hold on a sec. Let me go off, go off on this side and do everything. It's, it's an interaction. to stay connected. Yeah. And already we're having to redesign some things. And, the, and uh, for the most part, it's now suddenly turning into me having to spec in uh, a floor track for just about everywhere on the first floor and everything, which isn't the end of the world. But I just, it's one of those things where like, I've been going back with, forth with folks. And I'm like, it's, you know, I was like, once again, this boils down to, and, you know, Ernie, I might be wrong in your case. Um, folks don't come to our school for the technology. No one's coming in and saying, oh, yeah, we've got the latest and greatest. Um, they're coming in because the, they're comfortable with the faculty. They, they're coming in because, like, the faculty, you know, uses stuff because they're comfortable with it. If we suddenly We're start actually, saying, this is how you're going to do stuff, you're going to get folks who are going to, like, dig their heels in. We're actually having comments from prospective students about our technology in our classrooms. Uh, up until about two years ago, we were the only academic health science center in a very large area. We now have uh, two other medical schools in our state just opened up, one on each side. We're in the middle. Uh, and one of our neighboring states has decided that they're going to give in-state tuition rates to their perimeter states. Oh. which also, you know, hurts, hurts our recruiting, according to our faculty anyway. Yeah. Um, so um, sort of, and Scott, this great article. So one of the key things is universal. And being able to think about accommodating and doing reasonable accommodations uh, to make sure that, you know, every student can have a, a decent learning experience. And as we all know, you know, in many university environments, uh, even though it seems to be getting better, you know, you have silos, you have everybody that wants to do things their own way and this and that. And, you know, sometimes when a new building goes up, you know, they think about the budget and the last thing you think about is the AV and how it goes in. So one of the things that's happening here, and you know, we still have a long way to go, is we have a classroom renovations committee. And it basically brings together pretty much all the key players in, um, that are involved with classroom design from facilities, to planning and design, from accessibility, registrar, even a couple of the faculty members, 
and also some department administrators so that you can have a conversation when a classroom is uh, about to be renovated or if a space is about to be built, you can at least have a conversation saying, hey, is this ADA compliant? What are you thinking about you know, along these lines? And so you start to have the conversation about standards. And, and I think that's a very key thing because you know, thinking about things after the fact, I, I mean, I hate to say it in our environments, we are in general very reactive than proactive, it seems. So we're the last people in the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we got to do this. So Scott, I think that's great. I mean, and, and until all the players come together, which includes the provost or trustees or whatever, and say, hey, we've got to universally, you know, do this, and it makes things save money down the road. We have standards. We know what we're doing. You know, it, it, it's it's a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I guess getting everybody on the same page may be the biggest challenge that we have. It it will be. I, I can think of a um, a space on on my campus, for example, where uh, again, like I think Bill was saying, they want the most number of students in the room. We've got these node chairs in the room there's literally zero space. Like it's almost like you couldn't fit a sheet of paper between people. So even if you have crutches for a day or a week, you're, you're not getting into some of those chairs back there without disrupting the entire room. Um, the other one, I think, Ernie, it's really interesting you talk about the, the, the recruitment and thing because I, this is one of the things I'm really talking about with people at Bates is people who have needs, whether they're ADA needs or uh, ones that they don't really talk about, they can walk into a space and know whether or not a school has recognized uh, and planned for various needs like this, right? So if you could take somebody who has hearing issues or, or well, blind is, is obvious, right? But um, if you have hearing issues, you don't necessarily have to ask the questions. You can walk around a campus and you can see because you've dealt with it your entire life, um, and so if we want people to feel comfortable in our campuses and to, to bring people on uh, and, and to attract diversity, we have to make the spaces ready for them um, and not try to sell something that doesn't exist, just to show them what doesn't and they'll, they'll, they'll understand it and they'll get it. Um, okay. dealt with it for so long. It's um, one of the things and both uh, Williams AV or used to be Williams sound. Now it's believe it's AV um, and listen, both, you know, you can see it when they do like, you know, for example, their assisted listening and everything. There's stuff, there's literally stuff that they package with it aside from the, you know, the RF transmitter or the IR transmitter and the receiver packets and everything. They also actually, you know, give you the, the signage and everything that you can put up in there. So, you know, folks don't actually have to go and check. They just look and they go, oh, okay. I, I, it, it's, and I can, I can understand that from, you know, if you're someone who's, once again, this is someone who does not have a major disability, so I can't, you know, it's, it's the soapbox. But if you make the accommodations ahead of time for folks, they don't feel as, I would say, they don't feel as awkward about it. Because it's, it's once again, Scott, that's just, you know, me, me being on the soapbox and everything. Um, go ahead. One thing we started doing about three or four years ago, you know, we have a computer in every classroom for PowerPoint presentations or whatever. Generally, when someone comes in the room, the, the computer's already on the display, whether it's a projector or flat panel. Every room that has voice lift has an assisted listening system. We, we have the little uh, icon on the screen as well as the channel number 
for their uh, receiver. Oh. So they see it when they walk in the room and they know how to set it so they're not listening to the room next door. Oh. So, um, yeah, actually, funny note on this one. Uh, have you guys ever had it where the, like for us right now, we're dealing with a, a little slight issue in that um, some of our faculty, one, one or two of our faculty folks um, don't like the idea that they have to go to, you know, they have to come up to um, the uh, uh, media services counter or anything and just get the wireless microphone for, you know, classroom, you know, auditorium A or B or this or that. They're like, oh, well, you guys should just like leave it in the drawer. And I went, oh, that's how this stuff goes missing. They're like, well, we, we want to buy our own. I'm going, no, that's not really going to work either. And they go, well, we can program it ourselves. And I'm going, uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of those things where it's, it's, I understand, you know, from the perspective of them going, well, it should just be easy. And I'm going, if we were to do that, I would, we would almost have to retrofit all those, all those auditoriums. If they really wanted to do that, I'd have to install like uh, IR mics. <laughs> we actually have wireless microphones in all of our lecture halls and they're in, they're rechargeable. Mm -hmm. So they're in a recharging base. Earlier this week, I lost uh, off one lectern, the charging base, not the power supply for it, it's inside the lectern. They unplugged it and took that. And the two wireless microphones, they left the receiver. And then they, we have a locked closet back in the back and four additional wireless microphones were gone. Like I said, no receivers, no additional chargers. Uh, but I lost six microphones this week. Good times. So, you know, and this is a one of our high-profile spaces and it's used seven days a week. So it's calling dibs. Yeah. I was just going to say, fortunately, I just got six very cheap wireless microphones off of eBay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I, we could sell them to you, Ernie. I don't know. <laughs> this, rank, this ranks up there with the fact that um, uh, just the other week we, uh, we had a 75 inch uh, NEC display installed and uh there you go. Uh, we had a 75-inch display installed, and we turned it on, and there was a nice spiderweb crack, like, right where it looks like a thumbprint went. And, you know, there was back and forth of who did what and whatever. We eventually just bit the bullet and, you know, got a new display. And as we were putting the uh, broken display in, uh, one of my guys actually went and wrote broken on the front of it. And I said, no, 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 no. I was like, we, I was like, get some duct tape, slap over that and everything. Just put it in front of the loading dock. I was like, it'll be gone in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, so you'll suddenly see an ad up on eBay, parts only. <laughs> I was like, come on, I'm saving everyone. I'm saving everyone money here. The, the recycling guys don't have to come and pick it up. It's, but no, we, we actually did take it down to the uh, um, you know, used metals recycling and everything else. But it was just one of those, like, I looked, I'm like, man. Could have had this done in no time. Or you could have just written not in front of the broken. That that probably would have fooled people too. Oh, that's true. Uh, like I said, I, I think the as I say, the the you know, just leaving it on the loading dock. I'm like, yeah, come on, someone will someone will go and say dibs. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh that is about all the time we have. Uh Mr. Tyner, where can the fine folks uh find you at? Uh most of the time on on Twitter at S Tyner. Ah, fair enough. Uh, as well, Mr. Raspberry, can folks find you on LinkedIn or Twitter? LinkedIn. or a place to be. All right, there we go. And Mr. Bailey? LinkedIn for me also. 
Fair enough. Uh, you can usually find me on LinkedIn as well as the occasional Twitter where um, if you're, as I say, if you haven't seen it, uh, usually I'm, uh, I'm messing with a, another podcaster by the name of uh, Josiah Way and um, his, uh, uh, his, uh, um, his staff also have, have the uh, Twitter handle of it's Joe's Joe. So if you really want to watch a fun one, just uh, watch the banter and trolling with that. But that's my own two cents. Anyways, once again, this has been EdTech, a monthly higher ed tech podcast, part of AV Nation. Once again, this is EdTech.